It's the first place uh, that Paul directly addresses. Um, I mean, it's discussed a whole lot in the book of Acts, but where Paul himself directly addresses the meaning of the gospel or what the gospel is. Um, Verse 16, um, where we will start this morning, and I'll read it in just a minute, um, is one of the most quoted verses by pastors probably in the entire Bible. Uh, Last week, Paul was wondering, um, would the good news of the gospel uh, work in the big city of Rome? You You could just hear it in his tone. And I think he was building his confidence with verse 16 when he spoke, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. One of the reasons that I've titled... um, this series, Read It Yourself, is because people, for various reasons, they'll, they'll quit coming to church because of something you believe or say, or, or they'll boycott, you know, because of certain passages of Scripture that, and, and just, you know, they, they, they want the, the Bible to say what they believe, not what the Bible says. And when you read it for yourself... You don't have to interpret. The Bible is its self-interpreter. And it just point blank, you know, says what it says. And so no matter what, you know, um, Paul was saying here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel as he contemplated this trip to Rome. And you have to understand when we read the Bible in this day and age, there was things that Paul was saying that was because of in his day and age being led by the Holy Spirit. I understand God breathed book and, and all that associated with it. But the gospel was identified with a poor Jewish carpenter who was crucified. Now, you know, that us, we take that in stride. We understand. But the Romans had no special appreciation for the Jews. They had conquered, you know, um, the nation of Israel and, and the Jews. And, in fact, crucifixion was the lowest form of execution to criminals. So for Paul to be preaching a gospel to Romans that was about a poor Jewish carpenter who was crucified, he was definitely building his confidence in this passage. And, you know, I mean, there was... uh, So why put your faith in this Jew who was crucified? I'm sure Romans would question that. And Rome is some big proud city. Uh, If you've ever been there, my goodness, they, they were the just you know, the city that everybody would like to be um, from their architecture and the things that they did and have um, and, and, and all the, you know, the educational 
opportunities of, of what Rome has to offer even today, think of that, how magnified that must have been way back then. And uh, Christians were not the elite uh, in, in any form of the matter. And in fact, it, it, it was common that even some of them were slaves. And so why pay attention to a fable about a Jewish Jesus and that, that supposedly rose from the dead? You know, some of these Christians was there and witnessed the ascension that on the day of Pentecost, but the others in Rome, they were not there. Every, you know, the, the whole Roman Empire was not there for the, for the resurrection and the ascension. And so um, Paul even addresses that philosophy or this mindset in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And, and I think it, it, it builds up what I'm trying to say when... And I want to read you those six or seven verses. He says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Now you think what he's saying in this letter to those in Corinthians. Um, But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. What? For it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? (laughs) Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? I mean... You know, all of our kids that go to college and their Christianity is torn down and the the professors that deny the truth and archaeologists who preach millions of years. And yet, God says in His Word, hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I mean, it's pretty simple when you read God's word. To save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ and Him crucified. Unto the Jews it's a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks it's foolishness. Think what Paul was saying here in those verses. It's foolishness. But unto them which are called, those that are called unto salvation, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Paul in these scriptures was answering his own doubts about the gospel 
having success in Rome and fears and wonders that maybe had unsettled him as he was going to this huge metropolis with all this wisdom and knowledge and these teachings. And to think a Jewish tent maker was going to Rome to preach such a message is almost humorous. I mean, you know, but Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because he had confidence in his message. Why would he say that? Why, why does he have this confidence? Because of its origin. He tells us right there in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of its origin, of Christ, the gospel of Christ. If, if this message that Paul was about to speak had come from Caesar, it would have gotten the whole attention of the entire Roman Empire, but it didn't. And according to Paul, it is a message about the Son of God. And in verse 1, which we've already spoke about, it is the gospel of God. So here he's called it two different. He said this is a gospel of God and it is a gospel of His Son Christ. That was where his confidence was because where it came from. The message came from God about his son Christ. Paul was not ashamed because the confidence in where and who the gospel was and where it had originated. He had met this risen Savior personally on the road to Damascus and that's why he could preach so fervently about a risen Savior. He was probably there when they crucified Him and He witnessed Him alive as He was called to preach and to quit persecuting Christians. He knew of the power of the gospel. He knew it had changed His life from, from persecutor of Christians to promoter of a message about Christ. Human words cannot change human hearts. Human words, take that to the bank. Human words cannot change human hearts. Self-sufficiency is a cancer inside of Christianity today. It's a cancer that tears down the work of the gospel. It's, it's horrific. It is the supernatural power of the gospel that transforms lives of individuals. And that's what Paul had witnessed. People talk about, well, you, it's, it's just the, 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 the video to believe. Folks, if, if we, you got to feel, how many of you started your babies out on steak? You didn't even feed them mush. Awful tasting, smelling baby food to begin with. You give them milk, something that they could digest and swallow. And it's the same way with the gospel. You've got to teach folks to believe and then worry about the transformation that the gospel has the power to transform the life. It's milk first, defined many places as to. What we are to teach those, the fact that it originated from God and, and, and is centered around the virgin-born Son of God makes the statement so true. 
It is the power of God unto salvation, what? To all who believe, the Jew first and then also for the Greek. Because this was a new message. You have to realize the law that Paul is is in fact bringing down and elevating Christ moves to a new doctrine. That's why it's called the New Testament. And we must protect this doctrine if we are to going uh, to allow the gospel, the good news, the gift of God to, to be compromised by works or baptism or keeping the sacraments, uh, the gospel, we eliminate the supernatural power of God if we don't protect the gospel because it is the power of God. We admit in some form or fashion when we move away from the gospel that our problems can't be fixed. (coughs) I use a little illustration. People say, well, I'm too bad to get saved or it doesn't have the power to save me. You know, my circumstances are just too much. I can't change. I had a guy say, well, I, I met my wife in a bar or met my husband in a, <coughs> in a bar and we, we had sex, we, we had to get married, so there's no hope for me. <laughs> no, the power of God. But if the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and the blood covers all sin, then there's hope for the hopeless. Everybody has hope. I don't know about you, but I'll be glad when the cars quit turning green so I don't cough and snot all the time. The fact that it originated from God and is centered around Christ is just a wonderful thing that we can never allow be trodden under feet We have got to understand the hope for the hopeless. David, a man after God's own heart, was one who set up and murdered. Bathsheba is in the genealogy of Christ. Think about what the gospel has the power to do in individuals' lives that understand who the Messiah is. The operation of the gospel, and and when you look at its origin, you look at the operation, the Roman Empire, in all of her military power, was still a weak nation. A cesspool of sin. False gods and goddesses, and, and but what did Paul say? Where sin abounds, what? Grace did much the more. Romans 5.20. He speaks that into what he was dealing with, with this nation. Um, And Paul knew the work of the gospel. He had seen the gospel work in his own life. And other wicked cities from Corinth to Ephesus and all these places throughout, he was confident that it would work in Rome. 
And don't anyone in this room ever live in hopelessness because the power of the gospel, unto it, it's the power of the gospel that provides us salvation to all who believe. The gospel, the love of God, has the power to transform who all who believe. If you put your faith and trust in Him, I'm so glad that He put that in there. Just simply believe in the birth, the, 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 the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ by faith. He even clarifies it further over in the book of Romans, beginning in chapter 10, verses 9, 10, and 13. Listen to how he simplifies. He said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We want to go and put in there that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart and get baptized and join a church and straighten up and fly right and do all these other things that religion adds to the gospel when in fact that isn't what he said. He said if you'll believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's why when these folks on Sunday morning will simply confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. Right where you stand in your seat. And pray and ask God the best you know how to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart and believe in the gospel. The miracle of that moment that transforms your life from there, from heaven to, from, from, from a heaven eternal because of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ because you confess it. I've been criticized. That, that simple verse, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says the word is even nigh thee or near in your mouth. You, you want to be saved because God is calling you. I've been criticized over the last 40 years for making it too easy. I didn't write the book of Romans. I didn't put those verses 9, 10, and 13 in there. I didn't put verse 16, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Let the critics beware. God breathed those words to the Apostle Paul. As we see the the, the weeks ahead, he is differentiating between the law, which we still want to preach works by, and grace, which is the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ to all who believe. When Paul is talking about the origin of the gospel and the operation of the gospel to these followers, he is simply 
stating the simplicity of trusting Christ and believing in his son. Believe you me, getting saved is simple. Living the Christian life is a lot harder. The outcome of the gospel, when Paul uses the word salvation here, it's carrying tremendous meaning. It is one of deliverance. The gospel delivers sinners from the penalty of sin at the moment that you put your faith and trust in Christ. Hell is no longer in your future. However, the gospel also delivers us from the power of sin. That's the Christian life. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, you are no longer bound by the chains of sin on your life. It's it's why I believe in a faith-based rehab. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, once you've put your faith in Christ, comes to live inside of you. You have a helper to convict you, to give you strength and power to overcome. We have power over sin, over our lives, through the Holy Spirit that comes to live within. How wonderful to have a message. It is the power of God unto salvation and can be taken to all people. Not just the Jews. It was to everyone. And Paul is, it is not something that you were born into. People say, well, I was born into into Christianity. No, you wasn't. Well, I was born in a Christian home. You're only born again when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. By believing the gospel. And he states what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 15 where he says... The death, burial, and resurrection. It's so simple. It is so clear. The words that that Paul uses to simply state how wonderful that it was made that easy. You wasn't born into Christianity by being a Jew. You wasn't born into the Christian family by your parents going to church. You... You, you don't need to keep the law. People say, well, I need, need to keep the law. Paul rebutting that here. In verse 17, he says, for therein, listen to this closely, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith in what? The death, burial, and resurrection That's why Easter is a big deal, the resurrection of Christ. God does, does not ask men to behave in order to be saved, but he wants men to believe. It's back to that milk philosophy. The simplicity. He speaks here of the righteousness of God. Paul is simply saying that God revealed his righteousness by punishing sin. And in the resurrection of Christ, God revealed his righteousness. Why? By making salvation available to believing sinners. The gospel that reveals the righteousness that is by faith. In the Old Testament, righteousness was by works. But three times we find in the New Testament 
Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38. The just shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is why these two verses in Romans, verses 16 and 17, are so important. Paul is clarifying and explaining how Christians can experience victory over death, hell, and the grave. He is experiencing how you have the liberty to live a life of freedom, and third, the security that you have by simply putting your faith and trust and believing that Christ died for your sins, and then the power and the outreach of the gospel, he clarifies here. In a simple nutshell, he says, the righteousness of God received by faith makes it possible for us to live right lives. It's not your righteousness that God sees. It's Christ's righteousness that was imputed, and we'll get into this later, to you, given to you as a result of your putting your faith and trust in Christ. Think of that. These Romans needed this message, and we need it today. So many times religion wants to put the cart before the horse. They want to put the Old Testament message of 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 righteousness in front of the New Testament message. A few weeks ago, Michael and I had the opportunity to visit with some of these gentlemen uh, from Bethesda. And while, while we were there, someone made a statement. We don't live right for salvation. We live right in order to bring honor and glory to God the Father of our salvation. My grandfather used to say to me, son, don't you forget what your last name is. And he did it when gritting his teeth. Because if I brought dishonor to him, I was going to hear about it. Matter of fact, I might felt about it. Not just hear about it. I, I, I was rebellious kid from the time I was little and raised on a dairy farm and I mean their whole livelihood would be in that barn on, a, on any given morning and had this area up in the hayloft of all places where you ground corn and it was my job and my cousin's job to sack that corn and drop it down through a hole so it could be fed to the cattle while they were doing the milking. And we had the bright idea we was going to smoke in the hayloft and blow it through the cracks of the wood so they couldn't smell it in the barn. They had gone to the house that morning. We broke on Sunday mornings for breakfast. And we were still sacking corn, finishing up while everybody else had done gone to the house where you could see the barn from the house. And we was blowing smoke, and they were sitting in the house watching us. 
And man, my grandpa and my uncle Jimmy come tearing out of the house and we thought the barn was on fire and they thought it was. We didn't know what was going on. And my Uncle Jimmy picked up a water hose and we started looking to see what was on fire that they were in such a rush and he was getting a water hose. And when he picked up and said, you boys come down here and took that water hose and got it by the end of it and cut about three foot off of it, I knew right then what the problem was. That was his new switch. And we're not talking about kids. I was way old enough to know better. But when he used to tell me, don't you forget what your last name is. That's the way we ought to feel about Christ and righteous living. Don't you forget you're a Christian when you're dishonoring me in public, when you're throwing a fit and acting like a fool. When you're sinning, people say, well, my sin's no different than your sin. It is if you're, if you're intentionally ignoring what you know to be the truth, there is a difference. There's a difference with habitual ignoring the Word of God that you know to be true and the fact that we by nature sin. Continual habitual sin, a dishonoring of God and dishonoring His name, knowingly, there's a difference. Paul is talking about the outreach of the gospel when he said it's the power of God unto salvation, not just to save you, but to help you in your Christian walk, to live righteous in those verses The origin of the gospel, the operation of the gospel, the outcome of the gospel, the outreach of the gospel. God is giving us here. This was new to these young Christians, but it's revolutionary to their Christian walk. And it still is to us today. The righteousness of God. Oh, please listen. Don't get caught up in some form of works-based gospel. Don't get doctrine. Our, Our salvation is a gift of love from God to mankind, Jew and Greek, through His Son. And this doctrine can make or break your Christian walk and your joy. The idea of of You, uh, going through life, either striving to, to keep yourself saved. You don't keep yourself saved any more than you save yourself. God saved you and settled it. And the Holy Spirit helps you in your Christian walk. And, and you will live a defeated life or you will live under the gospel of grace living and understanding a victorious life by the power of the Holy Spirit living through you and helping you and your sins being forgiven because you as a child of God seek that forgiveness through confession. God, I'm sorry. I really didn't mean to do that. 
God by living righteously and the best you can by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and through you. Paul goes on to say, and I can't wait to get there in Romans chapter 8 and chapter 7. He said, the good that I would do, I do not. Why? Because the flesh had a control over your life, sin that reigns within. But bless God someday, you'll have a perfect body and live in a perfect place and sin will no longer reign. The message of these two verses is paramount to our Christian faith. It transformed Martin Luther. It transformed Jonathan Wesley. And it can transform you too. Day by day, the power of God unto salvation. The righteousness of God. Think about what that says. The righteousness of God that is that of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's stand.